Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming out tonight. Tonight, we're going to be studying the Good Shepherd. So we're going to be looking at, uh, at the, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. The Gospel of John is an amazing book. There's a reason why we'll tell people who first come to know the Lord, read the Gospel of John. Because it's all centered on the person of Jesus. If you want to get to know Jesus better, John's a great book to start in. We're going to look at John chapter 10. There's what something we call the I am statements of Jesus. The I am statements are what Jesus is referring to his deity. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, says, this is referring to when Moses went to the burning bush. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. So in the, in the Gospel of John, we have these, what you call the I am statements of Christ. There's eight of them. In John 6.35 and also verse 48, we have Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. In John 8.12 and 9.5, we have him saying, I am the light of the world. John 8.58, before Abraham was, I am. John 10.9, and this is what we're going to be looking at tonight, these next two. I am the door, John ten eleven. I am the good shepherd, John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life, John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and John fifteen one. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. Let's start out and let's read the first five verses. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." So Jesus starts out, he says, most assuredly. When Jesus says most assuredly or verily, verily, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen up. I've got something to say to you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to the Pharisees. We're going to see later on. He almost causes a riot. And he's speaking and he says, uh, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as the thief and the robber. What, what, is a thief, what is a thief and what's a robber? A thief and a robber is someone who comes to steal, to, to take, take away. Now, if all of a sudden we're, we're sitting here and someone climbs up through the, through the eaves here and, and, and they drop in, we're going to be like, call the police. Because they didn't come in through the door. They, they're, they're not here for any good motive. And so Jesus is, is warning everyone. He's saying that there, is a, a, there, there are thieves and there are robbers. 
How are you going to tell the difference between a thief and a robber? Well, a thief is, doesn't go in through the door. And we're going to see who the door is. Verse 2, he says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. There's no sneakiness or craftiness with the good shepherd. He enters through the door. He owns the fold. He doesn't need to try and weasel his way, way in some other way. We see that he is the door, and through him we shall be saved. In verse 3, it says, To whom the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The shepherd has a certain call for each of his sheep. He knows them by name. He knows each sheep individually and personally. And they respond to his call in the affirmative. In verse 4, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The shepherd is known to, to, to bring the sheep in and out to green pastures. He'll take them on excursions. And they follow him, just like in that picture in the very beginning. The sheep respond to the shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows each of them by name. And we're going to see in a little bit that each sheep has a distinctive mark, an earmark that distinguishes who their owner is. And in verse 4, he says, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Let's talk a little bit about the voice of the Lord. In 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. This is Elijah. When he's running from the witch Jezebel. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? First Samuel 3, 1 through 10. Again, we see the Lord speaking to one of his servants. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Elijah. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to to grow so dim, he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, "Here, Here I am for you. For you called me? And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call, my son. Go lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am for you. Did you call me? Then Eli Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And now the Lord came and stood and called out as the other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. So sometimes God speaks in a still small voice, and we just need to slow down and listen. 
but not always. Sometimes God speaks in very audible and loud ways, not often, but the scripture compares it to uh, the voice of the Lord over the waters, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. Sometimes God, like uh, in the case of Saul on the road to Damascus, he knocked him off his horse and great light shone from heaven and the voice of the Lord and Saul said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said to him, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Sometimes God could speak in a loud, audible way. Not always. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Proverbs 1, 20 through 23. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. And listen to this, I will make my words known to you. And then we'll, Proverbs 1, 33, But whoever listens to me will dwell safely, and be secure without fear of evil. So the sheep, they listen for the voice of the shepherd, and they follow him in their safety in his presence. Verse 5, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Just continuing on on that line of, of thought about listening to the voice of the Lord, in Hebrews 3, 7 through 19, it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice. And just a side note, uh, Warren Wiersbe says, God's favorite word is today. Satan's favorite word is tomorrow. Today, if you will hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence, steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So the, the Lord speaks, right? And as we're learning in James, as we've been learning, we want to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So in verse 5, he says, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. We need to have discernment. Discerning the voice of the shepherd and discerning the voice of strangers. 
Why, do, why does Jesus say this? Because there's many voices in the world. There's many people who aren't the good shepherd who are calling and trying to draw us away from the good shepherd. The world, the flesh, the devil. These are our, our enemies. These are the things that are seeking to constantly draw our attention away from the Lord. To get us out of the fold. Why? Because if we're out of the fold, we're vulnerable. The enemy can come in and, and snatch us up. The good shepherd has a rod and staff. He keeps his sheep close by. He protects them with his rod and staff. He disciplines them and keeps them in line, keeps them close. Malachi 3.16. Continuing along the line of, that, of having discernment. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Philippians 1.9 And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge in all discernment. So why do we have to have discernment? We have to have discernment because there's false prophets. There's false shepherds. There's people who say they're coming in the name of the Lord, but they're, they're only there for their own interests. In Matthew seven fifteen through 29, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, the Lord says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. A pastor? What's the role of a pastor? The Bible talks about a pastor as, as someone being a shepherd, watching over the sheep. But you know, if you're a parent, you, you're a shepherd. If you have anyone in your care underneath you, you're a shepherd. And God's word says we need to be watching out for each other. We need to, we need to take care and watch out for one another. We need to have discernment. I, I remember a few years back, I was at a Bible study. And this kid I brought, I was 16, and um, this guy came into the study and he started talking to my friend, Stephen, and he said, hey, I know your parents from Harvest. They used to go to Harvest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they started a conversation and then he asked, hey, can I take your friend home? And not even thinking, you know, because I wanted to stay in fellowship. I let my friend go. Come to find out the guy is a child molester. 
the guy um, was asking my friend to, to sleep with him in the car and all this stuff. And I was floored. The guy had Christian bumper stickers all over his car. He looked like a Christian. He talked like a Christian. But he was a wolf. So we need to watch out for one another. That's the job of a pastor. A pastor is a, a shepherd. But remember, it's not just a pastor's job. If you're a parent, God has entrusted anyone to your care. You need to be discerning. You need to be um, in tune with the good shepherd, listening for his voice, watching out for one another. Let's, let's finish this scripture, Matthew seven fifteen through 29. Um, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not, does not do them will be a li- like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these things that people were astonished at his teaching. Okay. First Peter 5, 1 through 4. The elders who are among you, this is uh, Peter's exhortation to the pastors. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. It's an exhortation. He's, I wish we could hear the passion in his voice here. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So here's the order. We have the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, and then in the church you have under shepherds. And the word is actually for ministers under rower. And if you've seen the movie Ben-Hur, you've seen the guys in, underneath the ship rowing, chained up, you know, and they're, they're, um, they're exerting everything they have, pouring themselves out. They're slaves. That's, that's the word for minister. And we're going to see that a little further down. That those who are true ministers are those who are being sacrificed and, and, and giving of themselves, just like our Lord. And we're going to see the qualifications of the good shepherd. Is the good shepherd really qualified to be our good shepherd? Let's read Hebrews along the same line. 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen and amen. So here he's called the great shepherd. The chief shepherd, the great shepherd, those are titles for our Lord. In verse 6, let's read, actually let's just read uh, John ten five through Five through ten. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. 
Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If any man enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Jesus often, our Lord often used allegorical pictures from everyday life. And we're, we don't have a lot of shepherds and sheep here, but um, I've been to Ireland and it's amazing. The, the green slopes, the sheep everywhere, shepherds, Africa, same thing. In this culture, it was prevalent. It was something they can connect with and they can go, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Wow, you know. And But it's funny, in the first five verses, he gives the parable, the, the picture, and they don't get it, so he has to explain it. And that's often how it was. Matthew thirteen thirty four. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them. So he gives these parables. Why? Because sometimes spiritual truths can be kind of out of reach where we can't connect with them. You know, we, we do a lot of worship songs here that have pictures in them. This is the air I breathe. I mean, what, what are we singing? We're saying, in essence, man, the Lord, you're my life. Verse 7, then Jesus said to them, again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus explains the meaning of this illustration. Jesus is the door of the sheep. So we, here we have the, um, the next I am statement. I am the door. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So in a roundabout way, who's he, who's he referring to? I believe he's referring to, to the Pharisees and the false prophets, all who came before him. In Ezekiel twenty-two, twenty-five through 28, the conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasures and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they have hidden their eyes from the Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. So Israel had many people coming, saying, I'm speaking in the name of the Lord. And really, they were only speaking in their own interests. Don't we have that today? One only needs to turn on the television to see a lot of that going on. We need to have discernment. We need to discern the good shepherd's voice, as opposed to the, the thief and the robber. Ezekiel 34, 2, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord 
God to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? So, Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I just want to contrast the bad shepherds and the good shepherds. Paul the Apostle writes, in Romans eight thirty six through 37 As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He's taking an Old Testament scripture and he's applying it and he's showing the believers in the book of Romans. He's saying, we're being poured out to the point of death for your sakes. For the glory of God, but for your sakes. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Those are the people that are, are following the good shepherd. The ones that are pouring themselves out. Who are dying to themselves for the profit of others. So Jesus says, I am the door. If any man enters through me, he, he shall be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In Revelation 3.20, kind of the opposite of Jesus saying, I am the door. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me, speaking of fellowship with the Lord. We'll have fellowship with him. And that in context, he's speaking to the church. Matthew seven thirteen through 14. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus stands at the door. He is the door. And there's only one way to be saved. We can't be saved through any other person. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If there was another way, Jesus wouldn't have had to, had to have prayed this. He went a little further. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he played, prayed that three times. And the Lord answered him back and said, There's, This is the way. Because he went to the cross. There was no other way for humanity to be saved. If we could have been saved by God sending an angel like the Mormons teach, Mormons are Jehovah's Witnesses, then God would have done that. He wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross for our sins if there was another way. Salvation encompasses our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. God cares about us. We're his sheep. He cares about every part of us. But the thing that he's most concerned about is our eternal well-being cares about our soul. Why? Because our soul is going to live forever in the presence of God. He cares about our comfort. The, she- the good shepherd cares about the comfort of his sheep. He anoints their heads with oil. Why? To keep insects and pests off the, them. And, you know, the good shepherd has investment in his sheep, cares deeply about them. 
But the most important thing is God cares about our soul. First Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're triune beings. We're created in the image of God. Some people try and put the distinction, where, is, where do you draw the line between spirit and soul and body? I don't know. But God cares about our entire being. And a lot of times, when we give our lives to the Lord, our countenance changes. God, God is able to, to change a per- person's countenance, to bring health where there m- might have been sickness. God cares about every part of our, our beings. Proverbs 3, 7 through 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Wow. Have you ever seen someone that's kind of just, they've, they're, they may be 20 years old and they look like they're 60 because they've just lived it up? And sin has a way of doing that. But when we live for the Lord, we can be like my friend May Chrisman. May was a 95-year-old elderly woman who I often visited in the convalescent home. When I'd walk in the convalescent home, May would say, she'd be quoting scriptures. She'd say, I pray that the Lord gives you holy boldness. I pray that the Lord uses you. She would quote the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8. All of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who delights in his word. He shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water. Every time May Crispin would quote scripture. She was a 95-year-old lady. Her, her arms were withered up. Her body was racked with pain, but her spirit, she was glowing because the word of God was her vitality. It was her life. And she was a light in this convalescent home. And I would go there and I would be the one blessed. Verse 10, the thief, and two more minutes here. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. You could say, Jesus could be saying, I've come that you might have life in high definition. Life to the max, life abundant, full, overflowing. That's what we were created for. We were created for fellowship with the Lord, with the good shepherd, and to have abundant life. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And we'll stop here. I want to say this. What makes the good shepherd good? If you don't walk away with anything from the study but this one thing, know that the good shepherd is qualified to be the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. We'll end with this scripture, Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed.
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see a seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Why did it please the Lord to bruise his son? Why did it please the Lord that the judgment and the wrath of God would fall on his son? Because our God is the good shepherd and he delights in having mercy. Micah seven eighteen through 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and he will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And I love what one blessed saint said. He's taken our sins, he's thrown them into the deepest of oceans, and he's put up a no fishing sign. I'm going to close with this little video from a friend of mine, Fernando Ortega. And he wrote the song. Actually, he didn't write it. Um, another guy wrote it, but he put it to music. And... Um, it, it's the, or the good shepherd singing over his sheep, saying, I am the good shepherd. And then it's the sheep responding back to the shepherd, saying, you are the good shepherd. So we're going we're gonna to listen to this video. Pastor Mike's going to come up and then open up our time of prayer.
Zayden ran out of time this evening, but he didn't run out of Scripture. And I find that is the most powerful thing, that you cannot exhaust the Word of God. That he literally could have kept on speaking until tomorrow and not run out of things to say about our Lord and the work that He has done for each and every one of us. And we need to, and I was encouraged just to to go back and spend more time in His Word and to try and exhaust it, to plumb that depth that is his love uh, and his word for us because he does have a specific message. And, and I loved how Zayden had words from all over the book, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It was just very encouraging and a great reminder for each and every one of us that we're not going deep enough. No matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, we have not been going deep enough. Now, that being said, let's close with a word of prayer this evening. Father, we pray that you would guide and direct each and every one of us. We pray, Lord, that you would be speaking to us through your word. It's so powerful, Lord, that your whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation speaks of your son and what a great shepherd he is. I pray that we live, leave here encouraged and just filled up with the word of God, that you give us a prayerful attitude, and that you continue to guide and direct us. In Jesus' name. Amen.